All right, and we have kicked off. It is the Play On podcast back once again with another review of football, games, results, news. I'm one of your hosts, Ben English. Thanks for listening. Um, how you doing, guys? Ash, how you doing first? Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? Very well. We're both... Uh, Delicate. <laughs> both dealing with the podcast equivalent of a, of a niggling injury, and that's been <laughs> from the night before... Uh, yeah. Heavy night of drinking, and for you, we're celebrating a birthday. So you and I are sort of will be blowing by half time. Uh, Cal, how you doing? Good over here. How you getting on yourself? Yeah, good man. Good man. Going to need you guys to help me pick up the energy. Hope you had a good evening and a good week uh, so far. And Ryan, how you getting on? Very well, thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah, and your team's doing particularly well. So I can see why you are in. High spirits. You can't I wait mean, to talk about Chelsea today, Kelly. <laughs> I can't no. wait to talk about Chelsea. Yep, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So, as always, thanks for listening. Uh, you can hear us on all uh, streaming podcast platforms. And don't forget to share with friends and hit us up on at Podcast Play On, at Beer at Bants. And yeah, thanks for listening as we get you through the week um, ahead, almost here at Christmas. Right, first of all, we're going to just say sort of RIP and condolences to uh, former Senegalese footballer Papa Diop, uh, played for Fulham and Portsmouth as well, died unfortunately at the age of 42, um, making 129 appearances in the Premier League, um, also had some spells with West Ham and Birmingham, um, and also played in the World Cup where he uh, scored the winner against France in that, in that strange game, that 2002 World Cup where France mm. um, were eliminated. I thought it was falling for them, but a sad, sad day loss um, about Papa Diop. I don't know if anyone wants to add anything about sort of their memories of him or, or their thoughts. Yeah, they used to call him the fridge, right? And he scored an absolute screamer against United. Was it the wardrobe? Um, the, the wardrobe, that's it. Sorry, the wardrobe. I remember Jimmy Bullard used to just like he was one. He was just like, yeah, the wardrobe, the wardrobe. But um, sorry, yeah, the wardrobe. And he scored. I remember I saw the goal recently, just out of his feet, just screamed into the top corner. So yeah, really, um, really sad day for him and the family and the world of football. He's a player that I'll remember fondly as someone who used to score absolute screamers and just be a strong player. Like, I really liked watching him when he was at Fulham, and um. He's gonna be he's gonna be missed, man. Um, FIFA actually tweeted. I've uh, got this article here from Al Jazeera where they talked about uh, his passing and how FIFA tweeted they were saddened to learn of the passing of Senegal legend Papa Bouba Diop, once a World Cup hero, always a World Cup hero. Um, and I think that's that's a nice way to remember him. Um, and it's sad that uh, he was only forty-two and he died from what's been reported as Charcot Marie Tooth disease, which is something I've never heard of. Um, and it's just it's just sad that uh, a big man mountain like that, someone who you would think is, is really physically strong and going to be able to battle illnesses, can die from a disease, man. Rest in peace. And to everybody, I guess that's a lesson to just kind of not take life for granted. And it uh, doesn't matter how big and strong you are, you know, uh, things happen, man. Look after yourself. Mm. Yeah, sad. Sad, sad, sad. Okay. Moving on, moving on. And uh, yeah, if, you know, people listening, as always, if you have lost someone or you're going through a tough time, hopefully the podcast can help you get through your week or remember to speak to someone or, or phone a friend or, you know, as we get through this together, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, no COVID-11 this week, but Ash has got an honourable mention to uh, the team that could could fill that. Yeah. Um, so we don't have a, an actual update, but there was a game that was kind of completely um, cut off this week, which is um, Newcastle away to Aston Villa. And it's just being mindful that this is still very much here to be to, to, to ensure that we stay safe. Um, I know things are opening up around the country. Um, football's back. Fans are back into football as well. Um, there's lots of things happening. Even that Sunday league's um, going to be starting back up again as well. Um, and speaking of Sunday League, the Sunday, the team that I'm registered with, Atletico Trotters, have recently got some sponsors. So I just want to big up those guys. They're paying a friendly today. Um, their sponsors are Brentwood Electric, Electrical and AV Services and PPSL Plumbing. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for supporting Grassroots. It's really, really important. And anyone who's playing the game today, 
hope you guys play well, safe, and I hope you guys get a win as well. That's it. And I hope no one's playing with a real hangover because um, <laughs> people been sick on the on the on the sideline and the touchline. <laughs> You've done that. You've thrown up, haven't you, at half time? No, I don't. No, no. Do you know what I do? Yeah, when I like, it's like a weird ritual. Like I, I go for like a wee, and then just before kickoff, I have to disappear and go for a second wee for some reason. I don't know what it is. And then it's either like in the bushes or just in the corner flag. So. <laughs> Sometimes you're just surrounded by teams, so you just got to whip it out and just hope for the best, man. Hopefully, the wind's not blowing, don't piss on your socks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the toilets at Hackney Marshes football, man. Listen, to be fair, when they've done them up, because obviously they've got like individual changing rooms there, so it's a little bit better. But I do remember other side. Was, oh, gosh. The smell of like football urinals is a different smell, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh god! Like the the rub and all of that, and then the links and then <laughs> music. Different different teams have got like you got the Eastern European music, then you got like the grime and the drill, and then everyone's just loud. It's 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 good environment, man. It's yeah, a good, good times. I can't wait for someone to put together some sort of Sunday league shop your short film about everything and that'll be oh sorry one other thing as well so the trotters are actually looking for um vets players so if there's anyone who's interested in playing football and they want to do the rub they want to play the banging music they want to go back into like having deep heat sprayed oh have you guys ever had deep heat but sprayed it too close to your brain no 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 oh, okay yeah just <laughs> Woo. Quick as I, that is rough. But yeah, if anyone is interested in playing like Vets football, so 35 and over, and you live in like the East London or the Essex area, throw BRB a message, they'll direct it to me and I'll pass it on to the team. Because yeah, I think I'm going to become a vet next year. Cool. Right, quick recap. Uh, Champions League results. Obviously, there are a lot of games uh, midweek. Now, it seems like there's a game every day, <clears throat> which is good. Um some of the standout games. Let's talk about uh, Ryan's Chelsea team first, beating Sevilla four 0 away from home, and that man keeps doing it. Olivia Giroud popping up with the goals, and this guy is just like second lease of life, man. He's looking so sharp. Ryan, was you impressed with their performance away from home? Absolutely. You don't go to Sevilla and win four 0 on a regular basis. It's something very strange. They are the Europa League champions. And they've won it more than anyone. And they are, they're a really good squad. So to go away to Sevilla and win 4-0 um, was unprecedented. And for Giroud to bag all four goals, I know the penalty was given to him. Um, but his hat-trick was amazing. Perfect hat-trick, left foot, right foot header. Um, him proving his worth again. And this comes a week or so, maybe days after a Chelsea performance where we had Tammy Abraham up front being frustrating, not holding up the ball, not being able to head the ball, not be very effective. It's like, where is Giroud? He's, he is arguably the most disrespected, disrespected striker in the Premier League, um, maybe even in world football, because he doesn't get the credit that he get, that he deserves for doing what he does. And he's arguably the best at what he does. And what he does really well is headering the ball, um, Passing, touches, near post finishes, he's 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 immense. And for a thirty-four year old to do it at this level, yeah, he's he's what we need. And then to come and play against Leeds, which we're gonna talk about in a bit, and score the first goal, he shows you that the hunger's still there, the skill's still there, the touch is still there, and there's a reason Hazard liked playing with him. Because he all the fast players that run run in and around him. He can hold the ball up and just control things from up top. So yeah, it was great from Giroud and great from Chelsea all around. A few, a few frustrating performances. Um, Pulisic making a few bad decisions. Um, Timo Werner being Timo Werner, but you know, yeah, it was not not bad all round. Yeah, it seems to be clicking for Chelsea. We'll we'll, we'll build on that in a minute with their uh, win. <clears throat> Excuse me, against Leeds. Uh, from the Drew appreciation, let's talk about Neymar appreciation. Come on. Oh, I, I want a quick question. Uh, I've got a quick question for, for Ryan, actually, before we move on. Sorry to cut. Um, <clears throat> just curious about 
what happened against Seville? Because Seville are known for being a very strong defensive side. So I'm wondering, Ryan, was it a case of Seville were terrible defensively or was it Chelsea were just so good going forward? You could smash in a, a, a really solid defensive team that day. Combination of both. We played really well and they played really poor. Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely a combination of both. Um, and, well, we're going to talk about the Leeds game, but in the first half of Leeds, it really wasn't working. So yeah, a severe playing, playing poorly definitely helped. Ash? Yeah, man. Um, Neymar. What more can I say? I think after having that, that big conversation during the first game between United and PSG, um, I'm, I had to defend him quite fervently on this on this podcast. Um, so you know, I'm just just just, just happy, smiling. No, but to be fair though, I think he's he for me he is the outstanding talent now. I think Messi's kind of slowing down. Ronaldo's not the guy that he was. I know people talk about kind of Salah and Mane and De Bruyne, but. When Neymar's on it, there's no player in world football that touches him. Like genuinely, like even the third goal, the shimmy. And don't get me wrong, there's like there is sometimes there are some like histrionics with him. There's theatrics. There's lots of things that he does that I can see why people are annoyed by him. But if you just look at pure football as entertainment, there's no more entertaining footballer than Neymar, and he just came and showed that on on Wednesday. So, so yeah. And now actually, that group's really like tightly poised because I think they're all on nine points. Um, and we don't mm. actually know who's going to go through. So, yeah, it's good good to look out for. Yeah, you're going No, I think that um, you're right about Neymar. Neymar's biggest detractor is his attitude. Um, if he was a bit more humble and if he was more consistent in these excellent performances, then there'd be no question. But people have already moved on to Mbappe. I think that his, his period to kind of take the throne as the best in the world kind of passed. So yeah, no. he seeing that third goal was amazing because he just reminded everyone, oh yeah, this is this is not a joke. I'm still Neymar mm. um, when I want to be. Mm. You say that though, but if you look at his actual record in the Champions League, it stands up with with anyone. Like he scores a lot of goals. In 2015, he scored in every single knockout game. Like recently, he scored what in semi? I think he scored. Like he, he, his his numbers look good, and then there's a sprinkling of the performance, there's an influence that he has on the game. Like he, he, was, he dictated that entire ninety minutes. You get what I'm saying? But I do think people just expect him to be like to put up Messi and Ronaldo numbers, and that's not really him. He's part entertainment, part stats, part kind of like assisting and and all of that stuff. So I don't think he's a killer, but he's just such an exceptional player, man. He's such a- well, those those two those two have played in arguably better teams. Before, you know, this is not not including when, when Neymar was at Barca, but where Neymar's having to do it all. He's obviously got world class players around him, but he's putting a performance and everything. And also, just just quickly on that one, we seeing him track back, putting tackles in, and when he's not diving round or taking a piss out of players or sort of just generally just being a bit of a bit of shit houseery, um, <laughs> he's He's adored by everyone. Um, so, yeah, that was really good from that one. And applying more pressure, uh, Solskjaer sort of pressure, then not pressure, then pressure, then not pressure. So, you know, it's a, it's a funny one. Um, mentioned Liverpool Ajax. Now, I watched this and also I was really impressed with their goalie, uh, Kelleher. Did I pronounce that right? Making a, making his debut and, put, you know, pulled out three three or four really good saves. His distribution was good on the ball and, you know, to keep Ajax out, they could have won this Ajax. You know, they had loads of chances and, um, you know, I think they'd probably be disappointed to lose that when uh, their keeper made the mistake of just letting the ball go over his head. Proper Sunday league moment that was, isn't it? The, <laughs> and then, <laughs> like the wind takes it over the keeper. <laughs> it was a great finish for Curtis Jones just cushioning it in. Um, I think Ajax probably be disappointed not to come away with anything there with your man. Yeah, they played really well. They played really well. Oh, um, uh, was it Klassen, the old, is he ever ex Yeah. Man, I think if he sort of was a bit more on it or had better finishing, they they could have put that game to bed um, with the chances they had. But Liverpool just cracking on, makeshift, defence, another clean sheet. They've got to be happy with that. 
And um, I think, Cal, you wanted to sort of honourable mention to Barcelona and Real Madrid. It's looking a bit sticky. Yeah, uh, I've got to give a quick honourable mention to Curtis Jones in that Liverpool game. What an outstanding young player he's looking like. Um, you know, when I first saw him, it was when he played against Arsenal this season and um, and he tried to do a Rabona and he kind of fluffed it. And I was thinking, well, who's this guy trying to do all kinds of tricks? And he's only a young lad. He's like 19 years old. But that just, just goes to show the level of confidence he has that he can be first team Premier League games against a, well, I was, was going to say a big team, but the league table doesn't say we're a big team anymore. Um, but the confidence to try that, just to even try it, is something. And he scored the only goal against... Ajax to give his team the win in the Champions League. Young Curtis Jones is making a name for himself and he looks like an absolute baller. Um, but yeah, um, other results in Europe I thought were interesting to mention were the Real Madrid result because they went 2-0 down against Shakhtar Donetsk, which is something that is pretty much unprecedented for Real Madrid. Um, there's all kinds of talk about Zinedine Zidane needs to get the sack. Um, and, you know, for a club like Real Madrid, that result is absolutely terrible. Um, you know, when you watch the game, Real Madrid just looked like they were in control and everything was going to be okay. And then somehow they just got these goals in the counter-attack. And, you know, Shakhtar is one of those teams that has these... Brazilians, they find these Brazilians from the Brazilian league. We've got Tyson in there, Junior, Moraes, Tete, um, Dodo. And they, they just they, they just played some lovely bits of football and they well-deserved the win. They actually outplayed uh, Real Madrid. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over there um, in the future with uh, Real Madrid um, and um, Zinedine Zidane. And uh, I think the other result I just wanted to give a quick mention to was um, Barcelona. Um, and it kind of looks like their rebuild is picking up pace. They're, they're, you know, the new players are starting to gel. Um, the manager, Ronald Coleman, uh, obviously a football legend, uh, is starting to get things right. They got a nice 3-0 win in the Champions League. Um, rotating the squad, playing a lot of different players. Young Serginho Dest, Dest getting a, another chance to shine. Um Dembele uh, looked really good in that game. Griezmann had a great game. I'm, I'm really feeling Griezmann's games right now. With Messi being out, Griezmann is kind of slotted into this uh, number 10 role in behind Martin Braithwaite. That is what they played in that game. And he was really impressive with the way that he was kind of dictating the tempo of the game and just just making these lovely little kind of kind of touches and, and passes to bring other players into the game. Um, just he just he just has the mark of a quality player. I know Ben you're, you you like Griezmann a lot as well. And um yeah, I think this Barcelona team might actually be improving now. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, interesting what you said, just to build on that. Like with no Messi there, obviously they're gonna miss Messi, but at, at the same time, um Griezmann can now be the main focal point and is now the guy scoring goals and Braithwaite what a story you know sort of from rags to riches uh, coming up in the lower leagues was it for Sunderland I think he was um, one of those teams and then now playing for Barcelona and Dembele looking sharp so should be looking good those groups there I mean it's looking sticky for Real Madrid currently third on seven points anyone from Shakhtar Donetsk Mönchengladbach or Madrid can go through Inter Milan Bottom there with five points. And also uh, Barcelona and Juve, sort of whoever finishes second there, is going to be a tricky next round for whoever gets them. So um, same with Man United and PSG. Tactical, you know, some teams may want to finish second to avoid another team. or mm. you know, So all to play for uh, as we start to wrap up the Champions League. It's, got, it's gone quick in, in, in those, those games. Um, Happy to move on to Premier League, guys, unless you want to touch on anything in the Champions no. League. That's all, good. all good, all good. Right, um, Ashley mentioned earlier about the Aston Villa-Newcastle game being postponed due to COVID, which messed up a lot of people's fantasy football teams. I, for one, had uh, a few Villa players and a Newcastle player, uh, but that's been postponed with COVID, but we hope everyone there is fine. Um, let's start with Burnley 1, Everton 1. Everton flopping as always sort of starting off well and then now just another failure to win going behind I thought Burnley played really well um, 
They were using the diagonal ball a lot and, and looking quite direct and playing some good football. And Everton leaving it sort of relatively late. Um, I'm going to start with sort of Ryan. We had this discussion earlier off air about sort of Everton considered overachievers or bottling it and whatnot. What's your thoughts on how Everton are cracking on? Um, Everton have gone off the boil. Obviously, they started the season really well. James Rodriguez, Luca Dini, everyone kind of putting their weight. Richarlison at full health. Uh, uh, Calvert-Lewin couldn't miss. But they've just really fallen off. Really fallen off. And we can't see them fall away and slip into this battle for Europa League, which they usually get into. So it's, it's it's more of the same, unfortunately, because we really expect a lot with Carlo Ancelotti bringing in a lot of these high-quality players like Alan and Rodriguez, but they just haven't been able to maintain, be it through injury or just poor performances. They haven't been able to maintain it. And I think that um, games like this, they should be performing slightly better in because they haven't really performed well for a few weeks now. I agree. Yeah, I made a slight mistake about them leaving it late, but it was a uh, 45th minute add-on time there. So Ancelotti must be scratching his head thinking, Mamma mia, what have I got going on here? Um, I'm going to pass it over to Ash. Man City uh, doing what they uh, do best, which is basically just suffocate teams with the press and poor Fulham. Uh, it's not looking too good for Scotty Parker. Another clean sheet for City. Uh, I took Cancelo out because I didn't think he'd start, but City yeah. look like they're, they're, they're working and De Bruyne again just showing another masterclass. I think what's been good for Pep in the last couple of weeks is because he's been able to get the Champions League pretty much sewn up early with those three wins, he's been able to rotate some of the key players. So the brain hasn't played the last two Champions League games. And as a result, he's had his, probably his best two games in the Premier League. Because there's, there's a lot of football going on right about now. Like we said, there's a game on every day. There were those three international games. Players are really, really tired at the moment um, considering they didn't really have a, a proper pre-season. So... Someone like Kevin De Bruyne, who was the outstanding player last season, hasn't really lived up to the levels that he was in last year. But we're starting to see him maybe coming back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think um, that, yeah, just City will do this to the smaller teams. They're going to just absolutely pum- pummel you. It's in the bigger games where someone, where teams may actually be able to hang in there a little bit longer. And if they nick a goal, that's when we haven't really seen City be at their best this season. They're not, they're not as because even yesterday, they should have really scored four or five. They only got two. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think they need this. They've got they've got the United, the Manchester derby next week. And they haven't really done much away from home in any of the big games. So, if they were to win that, then I think we could really say that City are back in with a shot of doing something this season in the league. Yeah, yeah. And then everyone seems to be clicking now. Like, they've got Sterling. He's finally got back on the score sheet um, after being... Um, Dropped a few times, but I think Pep's playing it well now. Um, I was really impressed with his coat. <laughs> what is worth? He's been dressing a bit weird at the minute with that grey hoodie. But the jacket, yeah, the I was thinking I need to buy that. But then I looked at it. I think it was. Like, I think it's a Hugo Boss or Prada one. But um, winter, winter coat pending. Maybe I can get the miss to uh, to buy one for me. Um, I'm gonna. We're gonna stay with Manchester, but on the other side, um, Cal. I don't know if you got a chance to see the West Ham. Game West Ham losing 3 1 at home. They started off well, their fans were there in full effect. And we'll talk about sort of their fans and the Millwall fans a bit later, or, or if you can even call them fans. But, um, I don't know if you saw this with Man United. I was absolutely gutted. Fans returning to the football stadium, and as you guys know, I live in Barking, which is just up road from um Stratford, the London Stadium where West Ham are. So I, I, I would have loved to have been in there to uh, to watch the return of, of uh, Premier League football, fans coming to Premier League football at London Stadium. And it was a great game of football, wasn't it? Watching it at home, you could see that West Ham were really full of confidence. They were creating chances. They created so many chances uh, after going 1-0 up. They really should have been about three... They really should have been about three up. Um, and, um, and Manchester United just slowly grew in confidence, got back into the game. Um, and they're starting to play some lovely stuff. There was some interesting tactical changes from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer that helped them to get the win. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We saw uh, some subs coming on, uh, Van der Beek coming off, uh, Pogba playing a, a really big role, 
Juan Mata coming in as well, playing a, a really good game. And it was the finishing, the classy attacking play and the finishing from Manchester United that separated them from West Ham. Um, because West Ham were kind of like putting in crosses and then just not getting on the end of them and putting them away. But Manchester United were sort of playing little bits of like one-touch passing and through balls, um, little flicks. The, the, the Greenwood goal where the balls come into him and he's just kind of flicked it up into the air and just volleyed it. Oh, my Stunning. day. That boy is an absolute quality finisher. Like, he, he could be a real monster one day, banging in just goal after goal after goal. We'll have to see if he does develop. But that's the way he's looking. He's looking like a quality finisher. And Rashford's goal as well, um, I thought that was another absolutely stunning quality finish. I want him to be in that conversation with Neymar and Mbappe because I truly believe that he's one of the best number 14s in the world. And he showed he showed a glimpse of his talent um, with that finish um, against West Ham that got Manchester United the 3-1 away win. Mm, Pogba's goal was tasty as well. Mm. Oh, let's not forget that. That was quality. Yeah, was that about 25 yards out, curling it in? Yeah, that that was Juventus. That was Juventus. Pogba there for a moment. Honestly, the way the way that ball the black and white stripes. <laughs> the way that he went to him, I kind of thought he might just pass it because there was loads of Man United attackers in front of him. Um, so, so he had options, but he just thought, you know what? Let me just give this a goal. He believed he could score it, and wait, what a goal! Um, I'm going to keep with. Uh, there's a Chelsea theme here, and just hear me out before I pass it on to Ryan to talk about the Chelsea Leeds game but he was saying earlier about Giroud being disrespected as a striker in the league or in the, you know around the world but someone who I've always had a lot of time for one matter I mean mm. phenomenal at Chelsea like their player of the season a few years in a row then sort of phased out went to and then maybe not as quick as he used to be but his ability to, to see a ball or to keep the game flowing um, he must be thinking you know alright he's not not uh, where he was maybe when he was younger, but not to be ahead of some of the other players. What's he got to do? You know, does he stay? Does he move on? I was really impressed with him. And he's such a professional player. He comes on the pitch. He gets it done. He's, he's, he's helped Man United out a few times this season. So just honourable mention to one matter. I've got to say uh, that Haller, though, he missed an absolutely shocking chance. A clean through, rounded the keeper, all he had to do was tuck it away and he just fell over. One nil up. If they would have went two nil up against Manchester United at home, that could have been the difference. Like heads could have dropped and, and they could have ended up getting the win. But um, yeah, it'll take nothing away from uh, Man United. They, they were absolutely brilliant. One matter as well. Nice. Also, also, sorry, the, there was a real contention with the first United goal. Because yes. Dean Henderson's kicked the ball and it's done a full arc. And it looks like it's gone out, but you can't really see it. And this is really interesting because they've done a VAR check on it, but I don't think VAR are really set up to have anything that analyzes whether a ball goes out near the halfway line. Um, and then that goal was the real turning point. I think West Ham really thought it had gone out and they never really cleared their heads. And then 13 minutes later, they were 3 1 down. Um, and honorable mention again to Mason Greenwood, that was a stunning goal. And he is just an, an outrageous talent. It's good to see him back on the squad sheet. Right. Talking about misses, let's talk about miss of the season. Greatest miss of all time, John Watson was saying, on a, or someone was saying on Match of the Day. Werner's miss. Um, first, <laughs> what was your thoughts going into the game? Leeds, obviously, um, their tail up with good results against Arsenal and Everton. Um, Bielsa sort of having gone up against Lampard a few seasons ago when Lampard was at Derby. So what was your thoughts going into the game and then your thoughts with Werner? <laughs> uh, my thoughts were Leeds are a good side, but they're inconsistent. Everyone says, oh, Bielsa is so fantastic, but they're inconsistent. And I think that there's more hype around their performances, but they're not actually getting the results that some might say they deserve. So I was a bit worried about them, but when I thought about it further, I said, they're so inconsistent. They could go either way. They could not turn up. We could batter them 4-0 or they, we could draw. I didn't see us losing this game, not based on the severe performance and how things were starting to come together. Um, and when we took, we went behind after four minutes to a Bamford goal, uh, I wasn't surprised. 
but I said they scored too early. They can't hold us off for 90 minutes following this. And Giroud scored after 27 minutes. Um, and that settled my nerves. I was like, yep, Giroud still doing what he does. Um, give him the service that he requires and he'll get the goals in. Near post finish, like I said, he's one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league at the near post finish, little dink. Um, so, yeah, I, I, was, I was happy with the, with the Giroud's first goal. And then that followed what was, I'd say, yeah, it was, uh, it, the ball was going in, the cross came in, um, Giroud headed it, it was going into the back post, and Werner thought, yeah, let me make this final, let me full stop this. He slides in front of it, and he stops it from going into the goal by, the first touch was amazing, if he was a defender. He kept it out, and then kicked it against the football, uh, 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 the Leeds defender, and it went up into the air and over. And I was like, this is a joke. He is a try-hard, and I want him to do well, but he just gets in the way. It's like Diego Jota, when he first started playing for Liverpool, I was a bit concerned because he kept on stumbling over people, kept bumping into Sally and Mane. Uh, Mane is like, this really isn't working. And Werner is a try-hard who isn't getting the, the end results, and it's really bugging me. It's really bugging me. Packing up the points, and I know it's sort of not all about. Well, it is all about fantasy football, but sometimes he, he he's racking up the points like he's always there or thereabouts. I mean, he got did he get an assist? Got an he, assist. Got, he got he got an assist for the Pulisic goal, the third goal, um, which came after Kurt Zuma headed us into the lead. Zuma, who is mm. finally starting to look more solid with Thiago Silva next to him, but mm. when you got Thiago Silva next to you, it's easy to look solid. I mean, we were, we were calling Joe Gomez the truth, like he was next to Virgil Van Dijk. Um, so yeah, no, it, it, he does get himself about, and like I said, he he does try hard. He doesn't stop. He, I don't think I don't think I've ever, ever seen his head go down. I think he just keeps on going. But we need that end result to be more be more consistent. It's all about consistency, and he was that for Leipzig. And yeah, we need that at Chelsea, please ASAP. There's, there's a lot of competition, and you can be replaced. You know, the key thing for me for the miss is he missed it twice. Because when the, the the ball's going in, all you need to do is kind of flick it to continue it in. He's controlled it, brought the ball back out, and then flicked it and hit the bar. Like, how do you miss twice? It's like getting it's like getting sacked on your day off. These things shouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Think about when he's got sacked on a day off. <laughs> David <laughs> Moyes <laughs> going back to West Ham no right. but seriously though like just quickly going back onto like him him. I think there's a big issue with him playing wide left and I think now that Pulisic is back but then what happened then is Ziyech went off injured so when 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 Lampard has all the options it's going to be really interesting to see what he starts as his front three because that will tell you a lot about what Chelsea are going to do for the rest of the season I think it depends on the opposition like if, if certain games Leeds or Burnley mm. or certain going to want um, Giroud or even Tammy. Uh, other games, maybe against Southampton or Highline or even Arsenal, you might have Werner and just mm. either side. So Chelsea got spoilt for now, which you, they got to be happy with. Um, just a quick mention then, honourable mention, to be the, the buzzword for today, so I'm running with it. We've got some fixtures. The, the standout fixture uh, is, of course, the North London derby. Um, we've got West Brom currently playing with uh, Crystal Palace. Sheffield United, Leicester, Spurs, Arsenal, and Brighton, Southampton. Um, we won't do sort of predictions, but if anyone um, wants to mention the Spurs Arsenal game, um, anyone wants to sort of say, you know, what their thoughts going into it. There's Liverpool Wolves today as well. Um, but yeah, just what's going to happen? Spurs are going to beat us. Oh, mate, where's the positivity? There's I, not. Uh, I saw, I saw a, uh, a football show, the uh, the Kelly and Wrighty show, and uh, there was a, a guest on there, football correspondent, who said that Arsenal have a puncher's chance. I thought it was a pretty cool boxing analogy. Arsenal have a puncher's chance against Spurs, which I think is right. You know, like we have the ability to score. We can counter attack and score on break. We definitely have that chance. Will it happen or not? We'll see. But as long as we have that chance... I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that Arsenal can get the job done. I think mm. Lacazette's been in great form um, recently. We've seen him play in that kind of withdrawn attacking role, um, almost like a second striker. 
Um, so I, w- I would like to see that again against Spurs to see if that will work in the Premier League against top opposition. Um, why not? Why not? Wow, wow, wow. Why not? Why not? Why not? Why? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's <laughs> I'm saying it's tough. Yeah. It's a chance, isn't it? It's like, it's like McGregor going against Mayweather and then, you know, you've got a puncher's chance. You've got a chance of knocking him out. But yeah. will it happen? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> No, That's no. a pretty bad comparison. We're not flipping Conor McGregor going against Mayweather. It's not that deep. But obviously, Spurs are top of the league. The table doesn't lie. We're nowhere near the top of the league. It's going to be difficult for us. Yeah, it will be. It really will be. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> Mourinho is at it again. Mourinho's done that thing with Harry Kane where he's like, oh, he's injured, guys. He might not play. We saw it. He saw him do it with um, human son. Uh, recently as well. Sorry, guys, he's injured. He's, he's, it's very unlikely he'll pay. Then he turned up. I took him out of my fantasy football team. He turns up and scores two and gets an assist. Kane has a great record against Arsenal in the North London derby. He he's, His goal-scoring record is a joke. His goal-scoring record against Arsenal is like drug buck. This is a problem for you. So if he plays, not if, when he starts for Spurs, you guys are in trouble. I don't think that you have enough in any position to deal with Spurs. They have shown their worth against other clubs in the top four, maybe top five. Um, they've drawn against, or drawn or defeated the biggest club, the bigger clubs around them. Chelsea, they drew. Man City, they beat. Arsenal, are in your current position, 14th, uh, just reminding you guys, you guys don't have enough to keep them out. And I really do hope that Arsenal get demolished. So everyone realises that Arteta is a fraud. (gasps) And we calm down on the hype because he's got a worse record than everyone else before him. He is worse than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. In my opinion. But yeah, uh, shout out to you. Your your last performance was good though. Um, Pablo Mari was good in the Europa League, uh, which is good to see in him. He hasn't played for so long. Uh, William Saliba, I hope to see you soon. Um, but yeah, nah, I think they got too much for you, man. And I want I want to end the discussion I keep having with Arsenal fans about the power shift because it's happened and it's not going to stop. If Spurs win the league, and I really hope they do, as a Chelsea fan, I... Wow, I, okay, okay, you know what? I you really hope they do. No, You've I hope they do. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Let's you go. Was, was Let's cool. go. That's right. Chris. No, no, no. If they win the league, yep. Podcast. Mm. Next. <laughs> they have they have they have the ability and I think they have they the do. I think they, I, th- I think that's um and that's the worrying thing that's scaring a lot of people because uh, like I said for years to, to challenge for the title you need three world class players and I think that right now they've got just over three so it's a it's a problem for everyone alright you heard it here well yeah I mean mad to some degree but anyway let's let's move on um a lot of good talking points there um Although it's sounding like Arsenal fans probably thinking that Ryan's hit his head and coming up with some foolishness. Someone else who hit his head um, and suffered a really bad injury and we really do hope he recovers soon. And this is opening the discussion now for the uh, extra substitute for concussed players. Uh, Raul Jimenez, when he clapped heads with David Luiz uh, on Sunday, last Sunday's game, Arsenal-Wolves, um, taken to hospital. Uh, it was revealed that he had a fractured... Skull, um, and I think we're all in agreement, lads, that you know, the um, this something needs to be done in the Premier League. It's in all other sports where the substitute comes on, you know, like a free sub for concussions, and um, yeah, just we just hope that he's he's that needs to happen because David Luiz should not have continued. Mm. Um, I mean, uh, Jimenez get well soon because that clash boy that made me feel sick. And it made, I think I think everyone's kind of stomach going, oh, that's not a good one. Um, so yeah, get, get well soon, uh, Jimenez um, and David Luiz definitely come off. And we've seen this before when um, I think it was Kepa had his head clattered and he he refused to come off. Free substitute, get them off the field, and let's move on. That was a horrific injury, by the way. Um, I remember hearing the crack um, as the heads clashed because you know you don't have fans in the stadium you can hear all of the screams and the shouts you can hear them kicking the ball and you heard the crack it was like oh what is going on there and 
it turns out that um, he's got a fractured skull, as I'm reading in this article from Sky Sports here. Um, and uh, a spiritual Santo was afraid for the striker after the head injury. And that's how bad it was. Like, everybody was actually worried, like, what's about his health, you know? Is he going to be able to come back from this? Um, so, yeah, definitely um, hope he makes a full recovery. Apparently, uh, he's had surgery. Um, and um, what they say here is what the medical team did was amazing. Um, so it's not like it was just a simple kind of procedure that he had to go through. He had a fractured skull. <laughs> it's not something you hear about every day. Um, but he is he is recovering. That That's the good thing. Um, so, yeah, let's hope he makes a speedy recovery and gets back to scoring goals for Wolves. Indeed, indeed. Right, um, moving on. We've got um, Anton Ferdinand's uh, documentary. I know he was he, he, pub- he published something a while ago saying he didn't feel supported by the FA or the Premier League with uh, the incidents that happened with John Terry. Um, and what with uh, the recent Edison Cavani news and the Millwall and West Ham uh, fans, if you can call them that, booing uh, yesterday's games while players were taking the knee in support of Black Lives Matter and the Rainbow Laces and everything. Um, I think it would be good if we just brought this up. Um, I don't know if, who brought it to our attention, uh, if they want to speak on it, because I've, I've, I've not read up on it yet, I'm afraid. Yeah, um, on in terms of the Anton Ferdinand documentary, I watched like bits of it, and I just think it's just really terrible that someone can, someone can be abused, and then they're the people that the, the abuse they're not seen as the victim, they're not supported, they're seen as the problem. So people are like, yeah. oh, like why are you bringing this up for? Like, oh, what do you mean? It's 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 John Terry. It's this is like that 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 incident just shows just what's wrong with football as well as the other things that's happened as well and even like this whole knee like going down to take the knee and stuff like that that's fine I think even I spoke about at the start of the season that we're continuing to do it but now I want to see action like you saying we should still take the knee fine that's great but now we've got so many cases that show the reason why we need racism now let's really see what action looks like because you can Mm. keep telling people you can keep telling people to take the knee it doesn't do anything nothing's changed 2,000 fans have come into, into um, two stadiums in London and they've started to boo a gesture which is meant to show a lack of... Uh, which shows um, unity and symbolise coming together. Now, this has been done. Let's start actually seeing like what you guys really are talking about. You want to talk about like Black, black, black Lives Matter? You want to talk about like racial inequality? Let's see what you do in terms of punishments and sanctions. Because if you're giving them little 20 or 30k fines, you are the problem. Um, I just want to add that um, the problems that we're seeing here, it's not just a problem in football. It's a problem in wider society. And football is obviously a part of society. Um, so it's really difficult. It's really, really difficult to to kind of suggest how we solve this problem and, and how we get racism out of football and how we get racism out of society. Because you might be able to get racism out of football by doing certain measures. But if there's racists in society that are season ticket holders and going to games and people who, you know, work in senior positions at the FA, uh, you know, people who are chairman of football clubs, uh, people who are managers and, you know what I mean? If people are just racist and they work in football, then you stuff like this is going to continue to happen, isn't it? Um, I think Ash just referenced the Millwall uh, game where, you know, fans who maybe are racist have come and started booing players for taking a knee and stuff like that. I mean... I, I'm I'm really encouraged by Anna and Ferdinand for doing this film because myself I've had a, a personal issue with racism and discrimination, so I kind of know how it feels to feel let down by an authority when, uh, like Ash was saying, you know, you might feel like you've been abused and mm. people are making you out to be the villain. Um, when really you just need to stand up for yourself. You have to stand up for yourself. Anna and Ferdinand. Uh, put together a brilliant film uh, which everybody can go and see on the iPlayer I recommend everybody goes to watch that Um, and there's this article in the BBC here written by Alistair McGowan um, that's kind of titled Anton Ferdinand was let down by football over John Terry case says kick it out chairman so the chairman chairman of this uh, kick it out 
uh, anti-discrimination uh, body um, is uh, Sanjay Bandari. Um, and so, you know, he's, he's, this is a very lengthy uh, arc. Well, not very lengthy, but there's, there's, there's a fair bit to it. You can maybe read it in five, ten minutes, depending on how quick you read. Uh, it's probably a good read. I reckon, I reckon everybody should give it a look. Um, and definitely go and watch that Anton Ferdinand documentary. And I think it will open some people's eyes into just how systemic racism is and just how it affects people, how it makes people feel, how it, you know, like there's a psychologist in there uh, talking to Anton Ferdinand about it. There's, you know, his family members are in there talking about, his, his manager is on there talking about how it affected his performance in his job. And it's just, it's such a good film. Just, just go and watch it and, and see just how big this problem is and how big of an effect it has on people. I think it's just, it's, it's, it's important for everybody to know the details, you know, of, of how this, this thing works. Just um, building on what happened with the Millwall Derby game, um, booing sparked outrage uh, and their Millwall manager, Gary Rowett, said that the players have come out and said they don't support the political aspect, but they do support the anti-discrimination aspect of it. Um, and even though Millwall Club itself has done a lot of work on anti-racism, they are deeply saddened and shocked with uh, a few fans spoiling it. Um, I mean, yeah, something needs to be done with those fans. Um, I don't think it's fair on labelling all fans. No, they're not proper fans if that's the case. Uh, the club needs to sort of find who they are and, and, and deal with them appropriately because, you know, we're trying to we're trying to kick 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 out racism is the is the is the buzzword. But like Ash is saying, we only see things actually being done. Um, and I think it's down to fans of all colours, but white white people especially, if they see or hear it or they, they hear comments or, or, or joke, well, it's not even a joke, but little sly things, then they need to call out their friends, they need to call out their family members, they need to call out people in the stands um, and, you know, let people know that it's not tolerated in any shape or form. So slightly sad yeah. that, that happens with the fans back. Um, yeah, Ryan, I don't know if well, you can add anything. Yeah, no, so I'm not, I'm not going to, I think everyone's um, kind of covered it, but I just want to use this to kind of band off to Edison Cavani and um, Gary Neville's comments on racism in football. So as you guys have already stated, um, it's, it's, a, it's a wider issue, it's a, it's a societal issue. And this mm. is kind of what um, Gary Neville spoke on. It's like Cavani, a, a player from Uruguay, has come to England and he's using words or phrases that... Um, that are acceptable in the part of the world that he's from, but it's not acceptable over here. Um, he's used the term on his social media by reposting and reposting someone who's tagged him. And yeah, he's used a term which he may not know is derogatory or offensive over here. And he, he basically said that it should be down to the club. You're bringing someone into the club. Have someone educate him on what is acceptable and what's not. Have someone educate him on how certain things you, you can or cannot do. Um, and it would help him better understand the country that he's playing in, playing in and the fans that have come to see him. Um, and it really does boil down to education in society. So it, mm. same thing, all these fines are all well and good, but if there's no education, the same education as he's suggesting for Cavani, then the same issues are bound to crop up. Um, mm. So yeah, I thought that was um, a good thing to touch on. And as far as Cavani using the term... Um, I feel like, I feel like he should get, receive punishment for it, and well, because well, ignorance to it is is you know not not, not really an excuse. Um, no, I didn't actually catch exactly what he said. I heard that there was something on social media, and then he um, okay. so it. in South America, the term negrito is um, not something that's offensive. It means like little black boy, but it is, it's not actually um, deemed an offensive term over there. But obviously, over here, negrito is an issue. So, yeah, so the, the, and you, he, he's that term. And you also got a factor in that that was similar to part of the term that Suarez used when speaking to Evera. Yes, so, it was. And this is someone who knows Suarez really well. And that, so as much as I think we can say that he wasn't too sure and he doesn't have the education, that's fine. But we've had form from someone who you know very, very well. And I yeah. think this is what it just boils down for me as well. It's just kind of like people will sit down and say, ah, oh, like, 
it's not really that big of a deal. Why do you guys do certain things? But then there's cases keep coming. If the cases stop coming, there'd be no more talk about this. But the cases never stop. Can the I offer a keep opinion to, to this Cavani situation? Because I think that's that's kind of like cultural in, in the sense that, say, like uh, an American player comes over here and he's someone that's used to using the N-word casually like how they do in hip-hop culture. And he comes over here and then he greets somebody. Let's like, say he goes south from Man United and he greets Marcus Rashford like, yo, what up, my nigga? And it's like... Yeah, it's the same thing. I think, I think, like, con- I think context matters. Context, context matters. Yeah, I can call someone... I can call someone... I, I, can, I can call you guys, you're an idiot. I can call you guys an idiot. That's because I don't mean it in any sort of aggressive way. It's not... You know, you're being used to, to offend. It's... Um, all about the cadence, all about how you deliver it. It, it can change, drastically change a word. Cadence and delivery can drastically change a word. Um, so, yeah, Cavani's not using it in that sort of sense. He's using it in a playing full te- term of endearment. And, yeah, that's not, that wasn't the case for Suarez, and he was dealt with accordingly. Um, so I think that there's lessons to be learned. Education is mm. needed. Um, and, I, yeah. right, and on that point, Suarez incident, oh, just, just a quick one. They talk mm-hmm. about the Suarez incident in that and on Ferdinand documentaries. Well, it's really good. Everyone mm. should go watch that. And I'm not saying, I'm not even here saying that Cavani should get something called that, but I'm saying we need to be mindful that there are a number of these incidents happening. So when you put all of these incidents together, you need to feel that, okay, things still aren't working. But being down on one knee isn't doing enough. So we're just saying that more needs to be done. And it's not just okay to just like throw a little bit of a fine at someone. Like we need to really, like we said, education. We need to understand culture. We need to do all of these kinds of things to ensure that in 10 years' time, things have moved on. Because it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't really feel that things have moved on. It just kind of feels that like maybe it's been kind of like put to the side, but it keeps rearing its head very, very regularly, which means which mean that things haven't really moved on. It would be interesting to get the fans' perspective, those who were booing, just to sort of see why they were booing. And like you're mm. saying, the education then, open up that dialogue mm. with the head of the fans union or be like, you know, why, you know, ask them, why, why did you see fit to boo? Like, you can boo players, you can boo decisions, but why did you decide mm. to boo that? You're thinking behind it, and then try to have that dialogue and discussion and then educate people about how it, how it is, well, it's wrong, basically. You know what I mean? There's no right way. But if something is positive and supportive as that. So um, it'll be interesting to see what Mill will do. And I think I saw on Twitter this morning, some West Ham fans apparently were... We're booing. So, watch this space. Um, as I'd talking- say, I think that's a great idea, there, Ben. And if there's anybody from Millwall listening, or if anybody can get this message out to, to somebody there from Millwall, yeah. get the get the supporters group together and get some questions to to people and find out why they are booing. Educate them about what why this thing is important. And try and, and try and get them to understand why they they don't need to boo. They shouldn't have to boo. There's nothing negative going on here. Yeah, I mean, no no football team's perfect, and all different teams have a stigma or name attached to them. Um, and Millwall are doing a lot to obviously try and change that, but then it doesn't help when certain people are, are doing that and your name's attached to it. So, you know, and if you're a Millwall fan or you know any people that want to come on the podcast, you know, we're open to all teams and all people. Um, Talking of inclusion, just quick mention, we should have maybe dropped it in earlier, but forgive me, I didn't. Um, French referee Stephanie Frappart uh, became the first, I hope I said that right, Frappart, became the first female official to referee a men's Champions League game, which she did the Juventus Dynamo Kiev game. Um, oh, it's definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, big. I think we'd all agree we want to see sort of more women in the men's game and officiating. And uh, She refereed the 2019 Women's World Cup final and as far as I know she did a good job um, at the Champions League game so hopefully more women can get into it I know there's a few Lions Lions women Lions people now's the correct term Sean Massey's one she's very good um, so we want to see more of that and hopefully in the bigger games as well so not just the league games but you know the semi-finals the quarter-finals the finals uh, across all competitions, so big honourable mention to her. I wouldn't want to be a referee. It's tough, man. Mm. In any capacity, Sunday league or kids' games, you get parents. I had a parent try and walk on the pitch once. The fuck, he was trying to go from. Oh, he wasn't going to go from. 
I've refereed one game round there with the local boys. Um, and I tell you, it was an absolute nightmare. It gave me a whole new respect for referees. The way people were diving and trying to con the ref. And ah, oh, it, it was just, yeah, it, it, it's a lot to do. It really is. Do you reckon they should do a, a referee feature on FIFA? Like you can just be a referee career and go up through the ranks. And, yeah, that'd uh, be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. A little thing. Well, Start I don't. Think line. It'd be a bit boring, though, just, just standing on the sides of the match for like 90 minutes, waiting for the whole match to play out. Raising your flag. Well, but then again, if you're really into that, that would be interesting for you. It would be a way to like simulate uh, your potential future career. No, with the referee, I mean, not the linesman. I think linesmen may even be obsessed. It could just be like a camera that goes up and down and it just like uses some support kind of thing. I can't really, you know. I've seen the problems with bringing technology into uh, play with, uh, I mean, the goal line technology has worked okay, but the VAR has been quite contentious at times. So I think with football, we're still going to need some human eyes uh, and human decisions to be made. I I personally would like to see linesmen staying in the game. No, I I agree. I think the technology works. It's the people using the technology that are Mm. better of the law, which needs to be ironed out. I still think humans will be there because I don't want, you know, I don't want it to be like some sort of, Isaac Asimov, uh, futuristic science fiction destruction where robots and machines are taking over. But we need a human ref. And then maybe, I can't, you know, linesmen, lines people, lineswomen down the line. Because if you've got, the, if you've got the, the computer devices and they may be in the stands watching it, I don't know, something to think about. Something to think about. Um, we've got a few stories here. I'm going to start to wrap up, guys, just because I, I think I've got people coming downstairs. Um, this... Vieira, Patrick Vieira, you know, one of Wenger's men proving that uh, managing isn't for everyone. And sort of Ryan spoke about Arteta being a bit of a a fraud. Uh, Vieira being sacked from his team in France. Was it Nice? No. Yeah, Nice. Nice. So, um, not, not nice for him. He was, he was supposed to be one of the, the, the few to go forward and push on and, and do great things in football management. And, it hasn't worked out for him. Uh, which former Arsenal player has management worked out for? Ooh. I'm trying to think. Henry's still coaching, isn't he? And Burkamp and Overmars mm. at Ajax. Yeah, I think they're running the show. I don't think they're the managers. Um, it's like uh, Michael Jordan's kids. I don't think they play basketball. No, they don't. Yeah, I'm struggling to think of a decent manager. I can't think of one. Where... Ferguson's off offspring, like little, you know, runoffs like Bruce has been there and thereabouts. Ryan Geeks is doing well. Um uh, Frank Lampard's top of the league. Steven Gerrard's top of the league. Yeah, but in Scotland. Like, well, what's, what's that mean? No, that's that is disrespectful. Man, come on, man, there's like two teams in Scotland. Yeah, but Rangers are doing up Europe as well. Mm, Tell me what Lennon's head on a stick. <laughs> it's not looking good, man. It's not been good. Cooman, <laughs> uh, I mean, we were speaking about him just a minute ago. Um, they had a shock loss, and Cooman could be going before you know it. They Barcelona lost uh, 2-1, I think, the other day to a team they shouldn't have lost to. So um, it's hard, man. Not all, my, all, not all players, ex-players can push on and manage. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I was just looking at uh, Vieira's history on Wikipedia here, and um, he coached uh, in MLS, and uh, he took New York City to their first ever playoff appearance and finished second in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, and that's that's not so bad, is it? That's not so bad. Yeah, probably second in MLS. Being one of the greatest midfielders of all time, there's a lot of uh, pressure that must come with that. So was he? Are you kidding? Yes, he was. You're kidding? Yes, he was. Don't be disingenuous. No, yes, he was. <laughs> you know he was, man. Don't. Yes, he was. It's listen, I gate. Listen, listen, you had your soapbox earlier. Don't push it. <laughs> <laughs> it. You know, yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Right. Um, there's a few other things about the gambling laws and a rescue package. So I'm going to pass it on to anyone who wants to build on that before we sign off. But I think we're ready to ready to Just go. That I think they want to try and remove um, bet betting companies or gambling companies from shirts, just because um, they're worried about 
the potential that people are going to be spending more money gambling and betting um, at the moment, which I think there's certain times of advertisement. I think, you know, what it is because football's played flat throughout the day. Certain things are normally put that after hours, but now if, if it's on the, if it's on a shirt or you go and buy it, some young kids are going to have like the gambling logos on the front of their shirts um, in their house. So I think it's just trying to be mindful of, again, education, going back to that education and, Ensuring that we're not giving people maybe temptations to kind of bet too early. I think if you put down the odd bet now and then, it's fine. Um, I know that I have a couple of flutters every now and then, but yeah, I think some people have gotten themselves into really, really um, difficult scenarios. And if you're kind of showing kids betting companies from the age of, like, say, 11 or 12, it could lead to um, problems in the future. Yeah, just sort of gamble responsibly. I think we always say it on the show, so mm. you're a little flutter. Just uh, when you, you know, when you're done with your bet, just you know, leave it when the fun stops, stops, and don't try and dig yourself out of a hole. Um, I think it's positive to take a, a, a healthy approach to gambling. As someone who's worked in the, the gambling industry, um, I can tell you that I had multiple customers coming into my shops that had a problem. And we had a little helpline and I would give them these little leaflets for gam care and encourage them to call the helpline and, and try and get people to, you know, because it's sad if you see someone coming in with their whole wage packet, like they got like a brand envelope, like they, they're like a builder or something, they're getting paid cash in hand, they come in with this envelope and then they leave with, with the envelope flat. And, and it's like, and, and you just hear all the time and it's sad, people get addicted to it. Like, and so to see these companies being promoted on all on the TV, on the radio, on football shirts. Cause you might not remember, but years ago when I used to work in the bookies, mm. that kind of thing was outlawed. That wasn't allowed. And then there was a time when the laws had changed. Um, and you know, probably the gambling industry had been lobbying for the laws to change. That's probably why it changed. And then they were now allowed to start advertising everywhere. And I don't know if there is a correlation between the amount of gambling addicts going up, in accordance with the amount of gambling advertising going up? I don't know. It's possible if you do some research, there might be something in that. But I do think it's positive that we take steps to try and help people and maybe try and dial back the um, gambling advertising a bit. Um, and uh, I just kind of wanted to, to mention this last news point, uh, talking about money. Um, the English Football League and the Premier League have actually agreed on a rescue package. So obviously with COVID-19, the pandemic hitting, um, it's hit companies in all different types of industries really hard. A lot of companies are closing down. Um, and um, the football league clubs have been struggling because obviously a lot of their money comes from the match day revenue. And the Premier League are obviously super rich. They've got those super rich uh, TV deals with countries all around the world. Um, and they've agreed to support the football league. So the clubs in league one, the clubs in league two, clubs in the championship. Um, there's a fund of 50 million pounds in the form of a grant and monitored grant payments have also been agreed for league one and league two clubs. And the premier league are going to provide a financial commitment to assist the EFL in securing a 200 million pound loan facility that championship clubs will be able to utilize interest free. And I think it's great that the bigger clubs, the bigger organizations can help out the smaller ones. Um, I, I, I just like that kind of thing, man. Like, let's support each other. Let's keep everyone in business. Like, we don't need to be cutthroat and trying to bring somebody else down so that you can look better kind of thing, which I think some people can get caught up in that kind of mentality in business. So it's just nice to see. Um, I think uh, this is there's actually a report here on EFL.com um, titled EFL and Premier League Statement Rescue Package Agreed. There's all kinds of details and stipulations if anybody wants to read the details into exactly how this is going to work. But it sounds good, man. It's uh, footballing bodies working together for the good of the game. It's beautiful. Wonderful. Well said. What a, what a good way to end the show. So, thank you, Cal. Uh, thank you, Ash. Thank you, Ryan. I've been... Ben English and also uh, Ash, you want to shout out your football team again and just the sponsors and, and hopefully we'll get some sponsors yeah. come do so, our part. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just a big thank shout out to uh, Flexible Trotters um, playing today. I think they just finished their friendly. Um, their sponsors are Brentwood Electrical and AV Services and PPSL Plumbing Services, both supporting their team. 
And if anyone's interested in playing for a Vets team next season, please just message BRB. They'll direct it to me. I'll direct it to them. And yeah, you might be joining me running up and down on, on, on some grass again. Wicked, wicked, wicked. And if you want to get on the show, let us know at podcast play on at beer at Vance. Um, and if you want to sponsor us or just give us some money or whatever, buy us a drink. We always support that. We have to try and sort out some Christmas drinks with the four of us guys. Um, yeah, and not via Zoom either. <laughs> yeah, like a classic shirt or something. Go to maybe mm. and we'll sort out a drink or something. But yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been Ben English. Thanks for listening. I've been Cal. I've been Ash. Ryan. Have a good week. Peace. Peace.